I want to direct your attention in your standing one more time. I will not keep you long in standing here today. 2 Samuel chapter number 23. We will read just a few verses, verse number 8. 2 Samuel chapter number 23 and verse number 8. Praise God. If you're there, shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Montana, for those kind words. I, I don't deserve any of those kind remarks, but I love and appreciate you today. Verse number 8 of 2 Samuel 23. The Bible says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Ezanite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite. One of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. Verse 11, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Haharite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. Verse 12, but he, speaking of Shammah, stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. Amen. Going back to verse 11. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Harite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And then it said, but he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. He defended it. This, uh, this word lentil, I think we all know what it means. It's a small reddish color bean. And I've always been, I've always been a lover of beans. In fact, my, my uh, mother told my wife when we got married, if you want to make him happy, just make him beans. <laughs> and, uh, and I am a lover. I love it. And you can tell I love to eat. It's evident. But uh, I want to talk about something here today. And uh, I feel a confirmation of what has already been preached And I just feel that God has laid this on my heart for this service here today. But I want to preach on defending the bean patch. Defending 
the bean patch. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful, God, for your spirit that's already been in this house, that's already been in this place. I'm asking you, God, to have your way here one more time. Lord, uh, help us, God. Anoint every word. Lord, I pray that my words would be your words and my thoughts, uh, your thoughts today. Hallelujah. Oh, can we lift our hands one more time and lift our voices to him? I love you. I love you. I love you. I praise you. I worship. I adore you. I honor you. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We all here today, we have something that we absolutely love. We absolutely love. We all have things that perhaps were handed down, perhaps we we purchased, but we all have things that we love. We've got our families here. Thank God for our families. Hallelujah. Our families are uh, a huge and important blessing. We all have things that are important to us. We all have things that uh, we would be willing to die for. Amen. And I, I want to clarify something here today that uh, I, in the last seven, in fact, really uh, all of my life and just even in the last seven years of traveling, God has uh, called us to be a help. And I appreciate what Brother uh, Greg, Elder Greg, talked about uh, this this morning, and uh, uh, God has uh, called us to be a help to various pastors and churches, and and uh, and I I'm so honored uh, for that. And this this afternoon, or I believe we are still in uh, the morning, a few more minutes left. But uh, I want to this morning be. Uh, uh, just a help. I haven't come. I haven't come to do anything else but just to help every pastor that is in this place today. Amen. And uh, I feel something burning on my heart. I haven't come as a know-it-all. I haven't come with a bad spirit. I haven't come uh, with anything like that, but just a burning uh, desire and burden upon my heart to preach to you what thus saith the word of the Lord. I've come to preach that the things that we love, the things that we love are the things that we defend. The things that we really love are the things that we are willing to defend. Somebody shout praise the Lord. I'm preaching today defending the the bean patch. Defending uh, the bean patch. Amen. The word defend means to ward off attack from. It means to guard against assault or Injury to uphold, to protect from danger, slander, or criticism, to fight in order to keep someone or something safe, 
to not allow a person or thing to hurt, uh, damage, or destroy something. And it also means uh, to protect or to guard from being taken away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I think about, uh, I think about what it is that we love. What it is that we love so much. I believe that all of us here today have one thing in common and that is we love and I've heard it preached already and I'm thankful for it. Amen. Allow me just to echo what has already been preached. But we love this truth. I think everybody sitting on every chair here out of this congregation. Amen. You would testify to the fact that I love this truth. Hallelujah. I love this message. I love Acts 2. 38. I love then Peter said unto them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost brother let me tell you it's the only message it's the only saving message hallelujah I know it's already been preached but I was going to say it already But I'm going to say it again. I love Hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. I love and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all. Brother, let me tell you, I love it. I love it. I love it. I believe you here today. You're here because you love it. You love it. You love it. I love this way. I love this life. Let me tell you, there's no other life in all of the world. Hallelujah. I said there's no other life worth living than what we're doing here right now. Hallelujah. I appreciate what Brother Davey said. No, we're not wasting time. Hallelujah. I said no, every minute that we're sitting at West Coast Conference, we're making an investment, not just for right now, but for for generations to come hallelujah I believe that we ought to, we've got to preserve this precious truth hallelujah we've got to fight for it I said we've got to fight for it now I want to clarify something else I know we're not supposed to clarify everything but I, I just want to say I am not likening the bean patch to this truth. There's no equivalent. There's nothing to equate to the truth. But I am going to say this. But our attitude towards it, just like Shamahan, ought to be our attitude towards this truth. That's what I'm preaching. I'm just throwing it out there so you know where I'm coming from. No, I haven't said that the truth is a bunch of beans. You got that? You got the wrong impression. I'm here to tell you, we've got to get the attitude that Shema had. Hallelujah. The very thing, oh, 
that Shammah loved, he was ready and he was willing to defend. Oh, you might as well clap your hands because it's right anyhow. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I want to take your attention here for just a moment to the book of Jude. Chapter 1, the Bible said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you. There was a need. There was an urgent need that the writer here is expressing. It was obvious. I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. Hallelujah. Let me add this here right now. I know it's a common thing, Acts 2.38, but it should never just become something else common. Hallelujah. Something that we just take for granted. But this truth ought to be something that we never lose our passion for. We never lose our love for. Oh, we're living in a generation where I'm concerned. No, I know the truth is going to be passed on. Hallelujah. But I want to preach to some young people today. You've got to get the same passion that your mama and your daddy and your grandma and your grandpa has had. You got to get something down in here that says I love this truth. I love it from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. He went on to say when I gave all diligence to ride into you the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you in other words what I had to say is important so fellas listen up I've come to tell you here today maybe I'm just going to preach to the young people you young people hear me what I'm going to tell you and preach to you amen it's important it's important what we've already heard in this conference is important what we're going to hear tonight is important hallelujah it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye that ye that ye should earnestly 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 contend contend that means to struggle for to store oh god Oh, let me tell you, there's just some things you can't patty cake around. There's just some things you just can't pity party around about. There's just some things, brother, you gotta be willing to earnestly contend for. You gotta be willing to fight for the things that you love. earnestly he said contend for the faith the faith and one of the definitions about faith and I know we use it faith as a substance of things hoped for it's our belief but also it's talking about truth 
and moral conviction. I'm in the original. Hallelujah. If you want, I'll give you the Greek number for it. No. It's talking about the truth. I thank God for what we heard last night about convictions. Convictions. Can I tell you? No, it's not a popular message. Hallelujah. But it's a needful message. Oh God. I don't want to just let it go in one ear and out the other. Brother, we're living in a day and time where we better have some Holy Ghost. God given convictions. Just because you've been born and raised in the church doesn't mean you've got mama's conviction or daddy's conviction or your pastor's conviction. You've got to get it for yourself. Hallelujah. Oh, but he said, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Then he went on and he said, for there are certain men crept in unawares. If you look at the original means to settle in alongside. To lodge stealthily. Kind of like what Elder Parker preached about last night about those five guys who wanted to meet him. And the elder set him straight. Oh, I love that. You ain't coming in here and you ain't, you ain't taking over. You ain't taking what Jesus paid to, uh, purchased with his blood for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he said there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. We got to be careful who we hang around and who we let ourselves associate with. Ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. This is talking about abusing the doctrines of grace so as to give indulgence to corrupt and carnal propensities. Amen. Oh, the word indulgence is free permission to the appetites, humor, desires, passions, or will to act or operate. It was a forbearance of restraint or control. He was warning he was warning about men that would come along and say, Oh, you don't have to live that way. Oh, no. You don't have to abide by the standards of your church. You don't have to abide by this good old black book and its teaching. But you can live however you want to live. That's the kind of day that we are living in. That's the kind of spirits our good pastors are fighting in their congregations. But I've come to tell you, we got something to fight about. I said we've got something to fight for. 
I've come to tell you to some it's just a little bean patch but friend I love this bean patch oh I love this truth I love this message what we love we defend what we love I want to ask you what do you love today I want to ask you what do you love today what do you got your heart set on I didn't say who do you love I said what do you love hallelujah the Bible said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 Verse number three, let no man deceive you by any means. There's a spirit of deception that we've been fighting, that we are fighting. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Verse 7 says, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Hallelujah. Then he said, and then shall that wicked be revealed. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because. Because. Why did all this happen? Why did all this take place? Because they received not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. Hallelujah. I said what we love, we will defend. But what we don't love, we will not defend. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We're living in a day where men are comfortable living in unrighteousness. They're not guarding. They're not protecting this precious truth that we hold so dear. Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you something. I still believe that Jesus is holy. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. The Bible said without holiness, no man shall see God. The Bible said it's holiness unto the Lord. Let me tell you, there is a connection here. That if we don't love holiness, we don't love God. 
because it comes in the same package, brother. He said, be ye holy for 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 He's holy in dress. He's holy in our lifestyle. This holiness is inward and it's got to be outward. But you can't get it on the outside until you get it on the inside. And you can't get it on the inside until you fall in love with Jesus Christ. You may be seated. I haven't pastored. But I've sat under my elder. And I've watched other good men. I've been around good men. They've opened up some things about what they are fighting and coming against. And you know what I hear a lot from good, good men of God? That people, people that have a hard time lining up to the standards or convictions of that local church. The common thread is the pastor can try and work with them, try and help them, being patient and long suffering with individuals that have a problem with holiness, that have a problem with why, why do we have to? Live this way and dress this way and act this way. And a lot of it is because they never fell in love with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, if you just fall in love with Jesus Christ, it will take care of everything. You won't have a problem if your pastor says, you know, ma'am, you need, sis, you need to get that dress lower. You won't buck against your man of God. Your attitude will be, oh, yes, pastor, whatever I've got to do. I just want to please God. What's wrong with dressing right? Can anybody tell me? Hallelujah. I want to preach today. I want to preach today. You say, oh, it's just a matter of dress. Oh, to some, it's just a little bean patch. But I've come today. Oh, we've got to protect this bean patch. We've got to protect it. There's a generation coming up. Hallelujah. They're not stupid. Their eyes aren't closed. I love them. 
Hallelujah. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not pleasing to God for our ladies to wear tight fitting clothes. Hallelujah. I said it's not pleasing to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We still believe in, in high necklines. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not going to come in and try to change our holiness. Hallelujah. I'm preaching against no low necklines. I'm preaching against it today. You see, Brother Brown, you're too young. Hey, hey, you got to be 18 to join the military. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. I'm going to preach this, brother. I'm going to preach what I feel God put on my heart to preach. No, I haven't come with a smart aleck attitude, but I've come with a desire to defend this holiness, to defend our holiness. Don't come to church wearing your little sequins, trying to be flashy, trying to get everybody has attention. Oh, yeah. I didn't sit well with some of you. I had an unsaved grandmother. Boy, confession's good for the soul. That when I was a little kid, going over her house, grandma had a television. And she'd watch this thing called Wheel of Fortune. I don't know why she watched that thing. And they'd have these women that walked across the stage and they had flashy, that flashy sequin, I don't know what you call it, flashy sequin stuff. I thought that was only on television, but I'm seeing it in the churches. Whatever happened to modest apparel? Hallelujah. Not wearing costly array. Hallelujah. Oh, whatever happened, it's still the truth. I said it's still the truth. And when you love the truth, you're going to defend it. You're going to protect it. I thank God for an elder that taught me this, that put it into me. I, hey, I remember when my man of God got up and told the women in our church, no more slits. I remember that. You know why? He had been long suffering. He'd been trying to, whatever. And they weren't getting it. It kept getting longer. The slit kept getting longer and longer. Finally he said, ain't no more slits. I thank God for a man of God that put it into me. We got to fight for this. We got to fight for this. 
If you're not willing to fight for it, you need to get a love for it all over again. I wonder sometimes where are the men, where are the husbands that have tell their wife, honey, you don't need to go out of the house looking that way. Where are the daddies that have tell their daughters, you're not going to go out looking like that. Where are the men that have said, I'm going to defend them. I'm going to do it starts in your home, sir. Don't point your finger at the pulpit. It starts in your home. Your family's a reflection of whether you are a defender of this truth or not. Sir, your wife tells a whole lot about what you stand for. You don't even have to talk to the man. Thank God for a godly wife. I've never had to tell her, honey, you ain't going out looking like that. But where are the men? That are willing to fight. I read to you in our text about Eleazar and Shammah. Eliezer had a barley field. Big deal. And Shammah had a bean patch. Big deal. But the Bible said that all the people turned and fled. Woo. I got to go back to it. I want you to know I'm not making it up here today. Hallelujah. The Bible said that the men of Israel were gone away. In verse, verse number 11, he said the people fled from the Philistines. What happened? When it was time to defend, when it was time to protect, when it was time to fight, the children of Israel were nowhere to be found. Nobody's saying anything. Now, clarify something here. It has been preached around here. It's already been declared. I'm not sending that strong statement here today. But this is what I am saying. That when there were those that wouldn't stand for it. That when there were those that wouldn't say anything about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me say this. Maybe there's some congregations where there's some men, some saints. Hallelujah. That you haven't spoken up to your family. But there have been some men. Maybe one man uh, that said we ain't having it. We need some more men. Hallelujah. That'll stand up. Be flat-footed. And say we ain't doing that in this house. I want to tell you. And if your children or your young person comes home and says, Mom and Dad, why can't we? Brother, I tried that one time. One time. 
And that was the biggest mistake I ever made. I, I, I threw in that, that little phrase, you know, when my parents, and I'm, let me say this. I thank God we were born and raised, my sister and I were born and raised in the church. And everything that was preached, I'm not saying my parents always agreed. If they didn't agree, I didn't know about it. But everything that was preached behind that pulpit, whether they agreed or not, it, it happened in our home. If elders said we ain't going such and such place, we didn't go to such and such place. Now I tried that, mom and dad, how, how come so-and-so's doing it? Woo, that was the wrong thing to say. Woo, brother. Oh, my dad, you know what he'd say? Son, as long as you're in this house, that's what's going to happen in this home. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. We still need men like that. When your young person comes home and says, Mom and Dad, why can't we do what the Jones are doing? Let me tell you, we don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Hallelujah. But we need to live right. We need to walk right. Talk right. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. You parents out there, how many of you young people, you want your mom and dad to change? You, you, you don't want your mom and dad to back up the man of God. Raise your hand. You don't, you don't want your parents to. Raise your hand if you don't want that. Raise your hand if you, you want your parents just to allow you to do anything and everything you want to do. Raise your hand. Come on. Oh, come on. Let me tell you something, parents. Don't, don't ever be swayed by a young teenage girl. Says, come on, Dad, please let me date him. Come on, please let me go out with her. Come on, why, why can't I wear these certain shoes? Why can't I do my hair a certain way? You better be thankful you got parents that love this holiness enough to tell you we ain't doing it. enough to tell you no that's the problem we've got a lot of people that have never learned the word no in oh those people that are messed up because they never learned the word no and when the man of God gets up and says no and parents have never trained their children what no means. Do you think they're going to listen to the man of God when mama and daddy has never taught them what it even means? Teaching a generation you can do whatever you want to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not mad at people. I'm mad at the devil today. I'm mad at the devil today. Mom and dad, you better be careful when your honey comes home. And something was preached that hit directly to your young person. And they come home, mom and dad, what about this? 
Oh, honey, he wasn't talking to you. That, that, that wasn't about you, honey. That was about, oh, my. Let me tell you something. Our greatest, I told you this, the greatest thing that we have in all the world, outside the Holy Ghost, living for God, that we love more than anything is our family. I can't think of anything else that we, we have that we love more. All of us, we have that in common. But when it comes to their well-being and their salvation, we tend to justify we tend to make excuses for them. And instead of letting the man of God preach to your young person, rebuke them, call them in their office, tell them what they need to do. Let me tell you, I, have an, I had an aunt that was in our local church that needed some correction. They needed to get their kids in line. Yeah, some of my own family. And the parents bucked. They got mad. You know what happened? They quit coming to church. They wanted my pastor to change. He wasn't changing. He wasn't backing. And they, you know what, you know what happened to them? All of them are backslid. And at least one of the children are in eternity today. Why? Because a mama and a daddy wouldn't stand behind the men of God. I'm reminded, it's already been addressed, but I'm reminded about Pearl Harbor. The Japanese made an attack on... America and President Theodore Roosevelt getting up and addressing our nation, speaking, Franklin D. Roosevelt speaking to our nation yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor. Looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific said it will be recorded that the distance of Hawaii from Japan makes it obvious that the attack was deliberately planned many days or even weeks ago. I'm paraphrasing. I'm just skipping, pointing out the main uh, parts. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to you, he said, that very many American lives have been lost. 
In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. He said Japan is therefore undertaking a surprise offensive extending through the Pacific area. Then he said, as commander-in-chief of the army and navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense. But always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might uh, will went through to absolute victory. I believe that I interpret the will of the Congress and of the people when I assert that we will not only defend ourselves to the uttermost, but will make it very certain that this form of treachery shall never again endanger us. That he said, with confidence in our armed forces, with the inbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph so help us God I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan and then he goes on and he declared war I'm not here to tell you that uh, I'm not here to talk to you about whether I agree with the, the attack that was made or not. I'm not getting into that. Setting that self aside. But there was a man that said we are going to defend the thing that we love. We are going to defend our nation called America. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you when you love something you're going to defend it. When you love it you're going to defend it there's no price too great I said there's no price too great I'm here to tell you tonight that we've got to defend this truth we've got to defend this truth there is an all out attack from the enemy trying to destroy what we have trying to water down the message trying to make you think that holiness is something of the past that it's something outdated but I've come to tell you God is still looking for some shamans that will say I'm willing to fight for it I'm willing to defend it clap your hands to the Lord What about the soldier? What about the soldier? Sergeant Bowie Bergdahl. Maybe I'm not saying it right. Held for five years as a captive of the Taliban, a line insurgents in Afghanistan for walking off his base. He was abandoning his post in 2009. You know what came out of his mouth as a confession? He tried 12 other times to abandon his post. And the enemy captured him. You read about it. Now we've got a situation where 
And again, I'm not getting into anything political today. Here we've got a man that deserted his country. Right in the time of battle. When he should have been fighting. When he should have been standing for what he knew was right. But in the red hot, the heat of the battle, he turns and runs. The Taliban captures him. You know what happened? We traded five of the baddest dudes in Guantanamo Bay prisoners for this one guy. People that were our, some of our greatest enemy. My, 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 my. And I thought about this. What do we open ourselves up to? When we stop fighting for what is worth fighting for. What do we open our churches up to? When we stop fighting for this truth and we start making exceptions. And we start reconsidering or re-evaluating. Let me tell you, we're living in a day and time where we don't have time to re-evaluate. And if, you, if you're re-evaluating, you need to get some old-fashioned conviction about this thing called the truth. Hallelujah. 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 Let me tell you, the devil is after our churches. The devil is after our prayer. I said the devil is after our prayer. He knows weak prayer, weak church. He knows strong prayer, strong church. If there's ever, if we've ever needed a revival of prayer, we need revival of prayer in our churches. No prayer, no power. We need, oh, let me tell you what the devil wants. He wants to take prayer right out of your schedule. Have you ever noticed starting a church service when prayer was weak? What kind of prayer service or what kind of service you had? You ever noticed when prayer wasn't like it needed to be? Everything was out of joint, everything was out of, out of whack, nothing flowed. Let me tell you, we got to fight for this thing called prayer. Let me tell you, it's not time to fall asleep when it's prayer time. It's not time to start texting your neighbor or somebody when it's prayer time. It's prayer time. You better believe I'm going to defend it, brother. You better believe I'm going to fight for it. Don't come in with your little bubble gum. Don't come in talking, trying to disrupt our prayer services. When we're trying to get a hold of God and we're trying to create a move in an atmosphere where God can move. To some, it's just a little bean patch. 
We cannot afford to let the enemy have our prayer. Brother Brown, do you have a conviction about it? I have a conviction about it. Because when you take prayer away, other things follow. And Shammah had this understanding. He had this revelation. That if I let the Philistines have this little bean patch, they're going to want something else. Brother, there was no trading, no bartering system. No, 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 no agreements with the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We still need red hot prayer. We still need red hot prayer meetings. You want to have a church that's on fire? You want to have a revival church? You just get your church to praying. You get... You get that fire burning in your congregation and you will have revival. No, it won't be perfect. There's no perfect place. But I promise you this. You will have a move of God if you get the fire burning again. Don't take away our repentance. Don't take away our Holy Ghost experience. Don't take away speaking in other tongues. Don't take away revival. You may be seated. I asked this dear man of God if he wouldn't mind me telling this. I told him I would not say any names, but he said, that's fine if you want to. We got asked to preach Brother David Webbs, there in Pastor Robles, a revival. And he told me I could tell this, and I made sure it was fine. I, but he uh, told us after the first, I believe it was the first service, something that had just transpired prior to us getting there. And I'm saying that, I'm saying this because I believe this can help some other pastor here today. That's what I'm saying this for. But he told his church, church, uh, I just feel like we need to have revival. I feel like God laid it upon my heart to have revival. And uh, he said, uh, it's, it's, it's going to cost. We're going we're gonna to need to do, and he began to tell his church. And There was a couple in their church that had been there a while. And they came to him and they said, Pastor, we understand the finances of this church, but we... We cannot, we cannot afford to have revival. Am I right, Elder? And he said, well, I love this. He said, well, let me tell you, since I'm the pastor here, and God put this on my heart, we're going to have revival. Well, that couple said, fine, we're leaving. We're checking out. And they left. He said, they went down the road to another church where they didn't, they didn't preach the truth. They didn't have holiness. And they ran into this woman. I believe her name was Barbara. If I remember correctly. 
Barbara was just a sinner woman, didn't know anything about God or church or whatever. Well, she remembered this couple. She knew them. She said, hey, where do you all go to church? Their eyes got big. They said, uh, just a minute. I'm going to have to get back with you on that. They'd been going to a church that they knew wasn't right. They called Brother Webb, crying, bawling, repenting. Can we please come back? We're sorry. We met somebody that's looking for the church, and we know the church we're not. We're going to. It's, they don't have the truth. Can we please come back? He said, of course you come back. He never told them to leave in the first place. And they came back, and the first service we were there, here's this couple. I, I didn't know anything. Here they are. They're praying back through to the Holy Ghost. And right next to them was Barbara. God filled her with the Holy Ghost in that service. He said, Brother Brown, I had people telling me, you can't afford to have revival. He said, you know what, Brother Brown? We can't afford not to have revival. I come to tell you pastors here, God puts it on your heart to have revival. Have revival in Jesus' name. We're not listening to the Philistines. You can't have that piece of ground. You can't. Oh, yes, we can. And we're going to defend it. We're going to defend revival. Till Jesus comes. Oh, lift your hands and worship him. We don't need people abandoning their posts. We need everybody's effort. Everybody working together. We gotta fight for revival. We gotta fight. Let me tell you. This is what I found, and I'm I'm not maybe seated. I've seen this a lot where. We have great, great churches and great men of God who are striving to do everything that they can to have revival and get people saved. But I've noticed something that we have. Now, it's already been talked about, but I've, I've got to tell you, I've got to say it anyway. But I've noticed that in Pentecost, We, we are substituting our old worshipful songs. When I say old, I don't mean that disrespectfully. But we are trading the old apostolic flavor of worship in our songs for this more contemporary junk. Yeah, I called it junk. And I'm just going to throw some out there. And I'm not trying to cross any paths. I've got my pastor here. I've got my father-in-law here. If I say anything, they will kick me in the seat of my britches. But I'm going to tell you what I have noticed and what I've observed. We're singing songs that do not glorify God. But it, it only glorifies the flesh. I heard, we were at a church and I heard somebody get up and say, 
we're gonna we're not gonna sing those old redneck songs and I quote what he was talking about are these good old songbook songs like I'll fly away like he set me free I heard it with my own ears I could not believe it redneck songs there is power in the blood you want to call that a redneck you call it redneck if you want to but brother I'm going to defend these redneck songs I'm not going to let some old Philistine steal amazing grace and there's power in the blood and thank God for the blood You better believe I'm going to fight for it. There's nothing like these old-fashioned songs that bring down the glory. But you know what we're substituting these songs for? I am a friend of God. Oh, yeah. I am a friend of God. Freedom. I'm sick of those songs. If that rubs you wrong, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. It does nothing to bring about a move of the Spirit. I heard a group get up and sing, I just want to hear your heart beat. I don't know the rest of it. That's about all I know. I didn't want to know. And it's this kind of stuff (sighs) this breathy I don't know if you're supposed to call that sensual I say it's time to brush your teeth and get a breath man I don't want to smell somebody's breath (gasps) I want to feel the glory of God what's wrong with that I said what's wrong some of you don't like it but I haven't come to please you I came to please God the devil's trying to steal our revival the devil's trying to steal our worship for something sensual for something fleshly and God said no flesh shall glory in my presence Brother, when you are in church and it's time to worship, it should make you want to do this. It shouldn't make you just want to sway back and forth. We were in a place one time. The song leader got up and was singing these charismatic contemporary, that's the word, contemporary songs. Brother, everybody was swaying. There was no tears. There was no... I, it was dry than last year's cornflakes in there. And that's pretty dry. You could feel one ounce of Holy Ghost. And you, all of you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, where is God? God was a priest because flesh was being glorified. But all of a sudden, after about the third or fourth song, they started singing one of these quote-unquote redneck songs. And brother, I watched as the glory of God 
tears begin to flow out of debt. I'm talking about the real deal. It wasn't sensational. It wasn't emotional. It wasn't a bunch of hype. But a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost swept through that place. The Holy Ghost took over. God moved in a powerful way. There were people on their faces. We, we got to get back to that. Choir leader, don't trade. These are worshipful songs for this junk of the world. Song leader, get out the songbook songs and sing them in your church. It still works. It, it's all in him. It's all in him. It still works. It still works. I need to be stopping. When the devil takes our music and it starts becoming sensual and fleshly, you know what? I told you he's not going to stop at the bean patch. Something else is getting ready to go. Because you've opened up the flood. You let him take the bean patch. Now he wants something else. You let him take your songs. You know what's next? Holiness. Your ladies are going to start wearing tight, seductive clothing. You're going to fight for fornication in your church like you... You know why? Because somebody, somebody's got to fight and defend this thing called worship. This truth... You know what else I'm concerned about? Can I just preach to you what I'm concerned about? I had a good man of God ask me, and he was just wanting to know my opinion, and I, I gave it, I, and I, I say I, I did it humbly. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to be a know-it-all or anything, but maybe see that he, he said, I want to ask you something, Brother Brown. He goes, I... What's your thought about removing one of our Sunday services? He asked me. And I did what I've been taught to do by my past. If you're asked, you, you, you say something. I, I wasn't pushing any buttons. He asked me. He said, what, what do you think about removing a Sunday service out of every week? And I said, brother, can I tell you three reasons why I shouldn't, I feel like it's, it's not a good thing? I said, number one, your spiritual saints, your saints that really love God, that love church, they're going to want to go to church. They're going to go to some other church. Am I right? I said, and number two, your carnal saints. So you shouldn't have said, everybody's got, they're everywhere. Bible said he gave some 30, 60, 100. I mean, they're everywhere. I don't know one place that doesn't have some carnal ones. I'm sorry. Nobody's perfect. I'm not being judgmental. It's just how it is. But I said, the carnal ones are going to get more carnal. And you're going to be fighting... Brother, ooh. 
They're going to be going to other people's house and gossiping and partying and getting more carnal. I said, and thirdly, I said, brother, you know there's 52 weeks in a year. 52, that's 52 Sundays if we remove them. I said, brother, that's 52 services where we will be less effective in making a difference in our community. 52 services is way too much to hand over to the enemy. Words of Shamus. But I'm sorry. I got to defend this thing. Jesus is coming back. We don't have time to waste. We got to make every service count. If we're going to do any changes, we got to be having more church, not less church. The Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. In so much as you see the day approaching. Not forsaking, you know what I'm talking about. By the way, too many people are just making every kind of excuse why they shouldn't be in church. Letting your job keep you out of church. Shame on you. Shame on you. I've watched precious men of God. I watched good pastors. I've watched them get stressed and worried when people weren't at church. How come they're not here? How come they're not? Brother, let me let me just say this, and I'm just trying to be a help. Brother, they're not going to be there. Focus on the ones that are there and have the best kind of church you can have. And quit worrying about the ones that aren't there and have revival. Because I promise you, hardly ever will you have everybody there one time anyway. Maybe that doesn't go in your church, but I know it happens in our place. Somebody shout amen anyway. It's too much running in and out. Unnecessarily. If you got to use the bathroom, use it before church. You know why? Because I've seen it happen and pastors have seen this happen. Let me give you saints a helpful tip. I'm going to tell you what really, really bothers your pastor. Would you like to know? Is that when he's up there preaching, that he's prayed and he's fasted, he's sought God... He's interceded and he's bearing his burden. And there's sinners out in a congregation. And right when he's getting ready to give an altar call, you decide, sis, it's time to go use the bathroom. That's the worst thing you could do at that time. Because what you've just done is you created a big distraction for that sinner. They were looking up at the altar and the pulpit and the man of God thinking, i got to get down there. And the man of God's trying to reach for them. And all of a sudden, you get up and nonchalantly like you could care less about what's really going on. You walk out. Let me tell you, shame on you. We've got to fight for this altar service. 
That's the most important part other than the preaching is the altar service because God's trying to save somebody and you're so clueless and insensitive. Oh, God, help me today. Hallelujah. Anybody interested in defending the bean patch? Come on. Anybody interested in defending the bean patch? Lift your hands and worship him. Come on, let's all stand to our feet and lift our hands. I'm going to tell you something else. Shame on you if you want to run down the man of God. Shame on you. Shame on you. We need some errands and hers that are say I'm going to lift up my man of God's hands. When it was battle time and Moses had his hands up, every time he had his hands up, they were winning against the Amalekites. But when his arms got heavy and they began to go down, the battle began to get lost. Until Aaron and Hur said, we're going to back you up. We're going to back. If you preach about social media, we're going to lift your hands up. If you're going to preach about Hollywood, we're going to hold your arms up. If you preach about... Feel the Holy Ghost here today. The last point I want to make as we all stand. Samson, what happened to you? A man who was to be separated. A man that was to be set apart. A man that was to be different from everybody else who had a powerful anointing upon his life. What happened, Samson? Delilah began to press him daily with her words. And you see, we saw the fight go right out of Samson as he gave in to this ungodly Philistine. The last point I want to make is Samson, when he stopped defending his bean patch, his consecration went right out the door. And if there's anything the devil wants, he knows you're a one God people. He knows your Acts 2.38 through and through. He knows that. And he knows he ain't going to change that. But if there's something that the devil wants, more than anything, 
It's our consecration. We come to conferences just like this and we hear good preaching. Fabulous preaching. Anointed preaching. Tremendous preaching. And people come gather around the front and there's no tears. I remember days gone by. Altar services that will last all the way up and through to the time that the evening service was supposed to start. Powerful services. There was a deep anointing. There was a lingering. It was not uncommon to see people flat on their faces for hours. Lingering. Praying. I remember those days. It was consecration services that has helped me and brought me to this point today. You hardly see any consecration services where people will come and get on their faces and forget about the time and forget about what's going to happen this afternoon and forget about what's getting with your neighbor your friends but I'm going to get on my face and I'm going to give myself to God I'm not going to let the enemy take away my consecration. When it was time to fight, where was Samson? David, what happened? How did you mess up? You were supposed to be fighting. David. He allowed his consecration to be taken away when he should have been fighting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody tired of the devil trying to steal things from you? Is anybody interested today in saving your bean patch? There's somebody here that said, I refuse to let the devil have my bean patch. I refuse to let the enemy take away my consecration. I want us to lift our hands right now. Hallelujah. I'm opening up this altar right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's what sets us apart.